She's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dobek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Doctor Dietitian Collab. Wow, and today we have a patient that all of us know and love and follow. Desiree Mize is here. Hey, Des. Hi, guys. You guys are so sweet. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. Yes, this is our first patient interview, and we really, we hand-selected Des because, like we know, she's had a, a journey of tremendous success, a huge following, and you've also had, you really shared it all. You've shared some of your your why for doing this, how it was in the early post-op period, how you've been able to maintain your weight, and then ultimately, you've had some re- recent um, types of maybe issues that I would love um, to talk about and just share for the the rest of the community to kind of know and and learn from. Awesome. Yes, I know it has been quite the journey, lots of issues, but nonetheless, we are getting through it. I love it. So let's just wind it back. Let's go to the beginning. And you have such great content on your social media, on your Instagram, where you really were brave in the moment when you were almost at 300 pounds when you started and you recorded it. And you can see how you've transformed in the way you even have confidence, the way you present yourself. But take us back to the beginning of why you decided to even have bariatric surgery in the first place. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that because when I am creating my transformation videos and photos, the only thing I see are those facial expressions. And it just makes me sad because I could see how sad I was and how deeply I was hurting. And that entire year, 2017, that's where those photos were coming from. And that was the year I was at my heaviest weight. The heaviest I ever saw on the scale was 298 pounds. But Also, during that time in my life, I did not want to face the reality that I was pushing 300 pounds. So I hardly ever stepped on a scale. And I know that at some point I was over 300 pounds. I just never saw it for myself. And I just remember it. It got to the point where it was actually affecting my everyday life. Even at my heaviest weight, I come from a really big family. So I have lots of, I'm just social butterfly. I come from a big family. I've got five siblings. Oh, wow. And yeah, there's, I also have a twin. My twin and I are the youngest of six. So we've always been really social, really active, involved in sports and every extracurricular activity that you could think of. And once I got to like my heaviest weight, I just remember my life really changing in that way. Like when it came to me wanting to go out with friends, I would get ready and then look in the mirror and be like, okay, I'm not going out because God forbid I run into someone from high school and they see how much I've blown up since then. And I couldn't believe that. I I actually got to the point in my life where I was allowing my weight to stop me from doing everyday activities. And at that time, I was also a barista. You know, that's a very normal job to have in your college years. And I had to cut down my workload to only four hours simply because my ankles and knees couldn't even take it. Like I would just get so swollen after about four hours. My feet and ankles couldn't even fit into the same shoes I was wearing and I couldn't even stand on them any longer. I'd have to go home and elevate just to get the swelling down. And just, I just, I just take, it takes me back to so many dark times where I was always the big girl who at least tried. I still tried. I still put an effort into my looks. I still did all the social things. I tried to dress as trendy as possible in my plus size options. And I just remember like at this point, 
this is when I was saying no to a lot more. I wasn't really putting in a lot more effort and it was really hard to accept myself. And it would, I would just go through these roller coasters of emotions where, all right, just love and accept yourself, accept the fact that you are going to be the big girl forever and just learn to love yourself. Okay. Now I practice the journey of self-love until that dark moment of, you know, getting ready to go out with a friend. And then it's just that roller coaster, that deep, that low, the low of the low hits. And I don't even want to be seen in public. I couldn't believe that my weight literally got me to that point to where I didn't even want to be seen by friends. I'm the type of person where if I run into someone I haven't seen in forever, I'm going to give you a huge hug, probably talk your ear off for a half an hour. (laughs) And this, the whole, my weight at that point, I did not want to be seen. And that was just a really low point for me. How old were you at this time? I was 23 and I had my gastric bypass surgery at 24. I think that's what's you know interesting to see following your journey on social media and all of that is that you did really like live your life authentically as yourself kind of, you know, like you said, you were just you were going to do it no matter what, because that's who you are as a person. And then when you lost like that ability to really live your truest and best life, that was like the wake up moment for you of like, something needs to change. It really was because that was affecting me every single day. Now I did have a very specific moment that kind of sparked that, oh my Mm. gosh, I need to change. I always call it like my click moment. What happened was I went to Disneyland with my entire family. You know, we've got a big family. And my mom is a super mom who does it all on her own. She's a mother of six. Wow. She's also raising three grandchildren and she has three foster children. We are quite the Brady Bunch. Wow. And (laughs) yes, I know. It's insane. And we're all at Disneyland. I'm with my entire family of, okay, we're probably pushing 16 to 20 people here. We're taking up the whole line. And then it gets our turn to get on the ride. And my mom fits on the ride just fine. All the kiddos are on the ride, every one of my sisters. And then I'm right there next to them trying to get the bar down and I can't cook it. Mm. The worker sees me struggling and she comes over and she's pressing it down, trying to help me. And she couldn't get it. So she calls for backup. Now I've got two workers. Those two workers call for a third. And before I knew it, I had a whole scene staring at me, staring at the obese 23-year-old girl on the roller coaster at Disneyland. And I just had to kind of be the one to say, you know what? It's okay. I'm just going to meet my family down at the exit. And it was just the most humiliating feeling. I felt like Disneyland has never been so silent. You could hear the crickets, okay? Like, Mm. I had to just step off the ride and wait at the exit And that is like in that moment, I was like, how is my mom in her 50s who just has this crazy super mom life, right? Like she's the one who's on this ride, all of my siblings. And then it's me. I'm the one that is not normal. I can't have a normal life of a 23 year old and go on this ride today because I'm too big. And it was just so humiliating, very eye opening. And it was pretty much in that exact moment. I knew that it had to change. Mm. And I think that your story just resonates with a lot of people. I mean, Hannah and I are like looking at each other right now and we're, I mean, we're, we can hear the emotion in your voice and we're getting emotional and to have at such a young age that sort of like this shameful feeling that like walk of shame, if you will, like, no, no, I'm cool. It's all good. No, everybody go. And then your whole family's like, oh, I feel bad for Des. And, and, you know, you, you know, you hide it with this, this larger than life personality and all these amazing attributes to who you are as a person. 
person. But I mean, boy, to your credit, back in 2017, just being like, all right, that's it. That was my aha moment. That is my why. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to do it. So you decide to have surgery and you decided on the gastric bypass. Do you remember how did you come to decide that? Why not the sleeve? Why not something else? How was that one to be determined to be the best for you? Yeah. So when I was first exploring this option, which back it up, uh, my primary doctor actually told me about weight loss surgery when I was around 21 years old. That was like the first time she kind of mentioned that it would be a really good option for me. And she had been my doctor throughout my entire life. Like I was diagnosed with hypothyroid disease at eight years old. That was why we found out I was 90 pounds at five years old and finally diagnosed three years later when I was eight. So she has been through that entire journey, seeing all of my efforts through high school. In high school, I played water polo, swim, track and field. I did everything. And she knew that. So eventually she knew that I was like putting in so much effort and still not really seeing results. And of course, after high school, not being so involved in my sports, it only became my weight became more and more of an issue. And I would go through these seasons where I would try to really crush it hard. And like in between my college classes, like do two a days at the gym. And it was crazy because even during those times, maybe I would drop 15, 20 pounds and then plateau and not see anything else. Uh, No, no more like no more weight loss. So that was like really hard. And then at around 21 years old, my doctor finally uh, brought up weight loss surgery. And I actually did start the process of like going through seeing the dietitian, doing the sleep apnea test, all the blood work, all that kind of stuff. But then I allowed so many outside opinions Mm -hmm. and just, you know, the judgment that comes from like society with weight loss surgery. I 1000% let that get in the way of this. Everyone like whether it was people online or just people who actually did know me, know me in person, they'd say, Des, don't you want to try it the natural way? Come on, Des, surgery is so scary. Like, you really want to do that? You just want to cut your stomach? And I know a lot of that comes from ignorance and people not really knowing how the surgery comes. And I was finding myself getting exhausted trying to stand up for the surgery, you know? Yeah, well, but, you're 21 years old. Yeah. I mean, you're just impressionable and young. And totally. That's such a hard age to be considering something that really is a lifetime commitment to changing yourself. Totally. And I know even for my mom, like she, she was very aware that this surgery could be an amazing option, but being my mom's age group, she had only heard stories from, you know, other people she knew that had Mm. horror stories doing it like in the eighties and nineties. And it was like, I was trying to really sell this, like, come on, this could be the best option. And then from there, I started following different accounts on Instagram of people who kind of shared their journey online. And I was able to show her like, Hey, look, this is a girl who got it my same age, same starting weight. And that kind of helped ease my family a little bit. But I did allow, still, I allowed all those opinions kind of get in the way. And it was like two, three years later that I just kind of dropped the ball on all that together. And it was after that Disneyland trip when I revisited the conversation with my doctor, like, hey, let's start that process again. Let's let's do it. I'm ready. I'm, I'm more knowledgeable. I've done a lot of my own research. And you know what? I don't care about what other people think anymore. We're yeah. past that. So I started uh, getting that that whole process going. And it was ultimately my decision whether I wanted to do the sleeve or the bypass, but my surgeon, he did uh, recommend the gastric bypass for me just because of the amount that I had to lose. And I do remember him saying something like, you know, a lot of people who end up gaining their weight after high school, like in their college years, after having kids, their weight became an issue later on in life. And yours has been a lifelong battle. So he thought that gastric bypass would be the better option for me. And I also dealt with a lot of acid reflux and Mm. heartburn issues. And he also said that that would really help 
with that. So I ended up choosing gastric bypass and I feel like I'm like the only person on Instagram that has it. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I mean, we I love the bypass. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think there's even people out there who are like, their name is like so-and-so got sleeved and they're like, actually I had a bypass, but it just sounded better. <laughs> oh my gosh. It happens to me all the time too. They're like, no, she had the sleeve. I'm like, no, I'm a bypasser. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the number one fan of the gastric bypass. Yeah. I think it's the best for all those reasons to lose the weight, to get to your results, to be able to have sustainability to the procedure for the acid reflux, for the comorbidity issues, all of that. It's an amazing, amazing operation. And, you know, you said earlier that you were online, you were on Instagram, you were just trying to find somebody, anybody who had similar starting stats as you did. And you were trying to show your mom. And I do think that it's interesting that you have a video of yourself when you're wheeling back into surgery. And I think it's your mom that's recording it. And they're finally like, ma'am, like you, you can't come in here and like do the <laughs> surgery. Like they like kind of cut you off and they're, but I love that footage. And I think that you started something that I, before you, I haven't really seen anybody who has shared every detail of the that anticipation, that fear, the good, the bad, every pounds, like just in, kudos to you for for documenting and, and being having the courage to share it. It's incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's when my mom and her obsessed obsession with taking photos and videos of everything actually came in handy. It's funny because <laughs> I've actually had um, some people message me some pretty like just mean comments where they're like, I'm sure you got this surgery and you planned on becoming Insta famous with all that footage because who actually has those videos? I'm like, girlfriend, my mom took those videos and I didn't even ask. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we're she just did. thankful. Yeah. We're I just well, thankful that she did. I love that you like. I mean, they suck. Those people, whatever. But um, <laughs> I love that you kind of became the person that you needed prior to surgery. Like you needed to see the person. You needed to see yourself essentially. So like you became that for so many other people. Now I would say. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Thank you. Well, I mean, how do you feel that like, what was like a really big transition point in you are famous on Instagram, you know, and how do you feel like, how did that happen? Like, what was the genesis of that just from like, just a constant slow study climb every day, you're sharing more and your content's just so rich and so appealing to the masses? What do you think? You know, it was the weirdest thing. I actually, you guys are going to laugh at this. I made my Instagram page, my Woke Up Like Des page as a secret. It was going to just be a little diary where I documented my photos, huh. maybe the workouts and food that I was eating and doing. And my name is Desiree, spelled D-E-S-I-R-E-E. -E. I made it under Des, D-E-Z, M. I didn't even put my entire last name. All I wanted was M so no one could find me. And I made an entire new email address, woke up like desert Gmail. And I just knew that it was going to be filled with, you know, like photos of me with like my belly showing. These are the photos like I've got hidden in my camera roll. I didn't want my boyfriend at the time to see those. Like they're, they're like the photos that you are taking when you're just like at that low point and you don't even know why you're taking that photo, but you just you, you hate what you see in the mirror and you're going to mm -hmm. document it. I don't know. I just, I just started taking photos here and there and I made my Instagram page with the plan for no one to ever see it. It was just going to be like a little documenting place. Yeah. Just like for and yourself. Then all of a sudden every year, uh, since I was probably like a junior in high school, my family and I win tickets on the radio to go to this three day country music festival called Stagecoach. It's like down in Palm Springs in Coachella oh. Valley. And it is just a party and everyone gets dressed up. I always had a really hard time 
going on our stagecoach trips too, because, you know, my sisters would always do these cute little Daisy Duke cutoff shorts, <laughs> you know, everything you wear at a country concert and little crop tops. And I would do my very best to at least blend in with them. I would do a crop top at 300 pounds, but I'd also do some shorts, maybe with a flannel wrapped around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I still did my very best to like have a fun time. And don't get me wrong. Those are like the highlight of the year. It's so much fun. But that first year going to stagecoach after having gastric bypass, I had a little stagecoach. I, I did a Transformation Tuesday post and I called it Transformation Tuesday Stagecoach Edition. And it was me wearing a cowgirl hat or cowboy hat. And it was one at 300 pounds. And then the next photo, I think I was around 40 to 50 pounds down. Mm. And this was around four months post-op. So I definitely, like at this point, I was starting to actually see a difference. You know, it's really hard to see a difference on yourself in the very beginning. Mm. Uh, Mostly it's people telling you, wow, yeah, you are looking a lot thinner, but you don't see it. You don't feel it. Maybe like in your face, you look a little thinner. But it wasn't until this trip, four months post-op, around like 50 pounds down, where I actually saw a difference. And I was really proud. So I did a little side-by-side photo, posted it. And for the first time ever, it actually got like lots of likes and it hit the explore page. And I just never expected anything to like go viral. And at that point, my my version of viral was like 5,000 likes, but it brought a lot of followers. And from that point, the followers just kind of kept on coming. And by Halloween, I was out actually with my sisters at like a bar on Halloween night. And that's when I had hit the 10K. I saw a K on my profile and I was like, Ooh. that's so insane. So it actually happened really fast. I made my page a month post-op and then October happened. So yeah, it took 10 months to get to 10K. And from there, it really did just kind of start growing and how that, I just stayed consistent. I always post a transformation Tuesday to show the actual like physical progress, progress. Like that's my number one thing. If I I could go a whole week without posting on Instagram, but I'll make sure to get a transformation Tuesday (laughs) post up. Like I love those and I love making them like kind of themed. I'll do a stagecoach edition. I'll do one wearing pink and pink. Oh, here's me being ridiculous and dancing like I always do at 300 pounds. And here's me doing the exact same silly dance moves at 140, you know, anything like that. So it just kind of took off. And I was uh, at the time, like I said, I was a barista. And I was just doing, uh, I was just doing barista work pretty much on the weekends because I was full-time student uh, studying ultrasound diagnostic medical sonography in Beverly Mm. Hills, which was 70 miles away from my house. So my first year post-op, I had to be very, very on it. I, I was always like on the road driving to school in order to get a workout in. I had to do it before class. And I think like bringing people along, showing them my 6 a.m. workouts, going to class at 8 a.m., showing them the meals I prepared at 12 and then dinner that night. It was kind of like they were just kind of following along the whole process of me. And I did share everything. I I take videos and photos of everything. And I think that just kind of giving people something to look at because that's what I would have wanted. Of course, I followed other people who had shared their their journeys, but you always want to know what is it that they're eating? What are the workouts they're doing? How how are they doing that? But not everyone kind of shares the secret sauce. So I really kind of prided myself in being the one to share the secret sauce. And I think that's what kind of what people really are drawn to is that I do share the good, bad, and the ugly. I will share every up and down. There are too many videos of me crying like a baby on on Instagram and YouTube. (laughs) But I will always be there to show the light at the end of the tunnel and show the happy ending. Because I, even through all the chaos, I will still always just do my best to keep, you know, keep my, my spirits up, like do everything I can to at least look on the bright side 
and just be open and honest about everything and bring people along. So over the last six years, and I want to talk a little bit about this too, you're also open about your plastic surgery journey. But what would you say has been, you know, there's ups and there's downs and this is whole a journey, a process. What do you really think has been the most challenging, difficult, maybe even darkest time? Have you had dark times since surgery? Has it been more on the up and up, more good days than bad, it seems like? But what would you say has been really difficult? I think that um, the first thing that comes to mind, what can be very difficult, and this is something that I try really hard to talk about on social media because a lot of people see my page. They see she had gastric bypass and then she did the full journey. She went and got a tummy tuck and breast implants and now she's just living her best life. She's got the body she always dreamed for, which it's true. Like I work really hard to maintain the body that I have. I work out really, really hard. I try to lift very heavy to fill any loose skin with muscle. Like it is my job. And What's been really hard about that is constantly chasing a physique that isn't always, I guess, like you can't always get this physique that you have in mind when it comes to living a life at 300 pounds. Like you will always have loose skin. What's been really hard is going through the plastics and realizing that one surgery, not even two surgeries, still doesn't, quote, make you perfect. You know, Mm. I still came out of a tummy tuck with lots of loose skin and being now three years post tummy tuck, I have even more loose skin. And it's kind of like one of those things that as my body keeps changing, as I continue to lose weight and build more muscle, I will get more loose skin. And it's just one of those things you kind of have to realize that you got to stop chasing perfect and perfect Mm -hmm. does not exist. It's not a thing. Whoever tried making it a thing, we hate them (laughs) because like, seriously, like I get so many messages about people. Oh, I just got my tummy tuck, but I hate it. I can't believe I still have loose skin. I still feel fat. Oh my gosh, I'm so swollen. I st- I feel like I looked better before it. Mm. And I wish I could just hug every single one of those people because I totally get it. I also got out of tummy tuck with the first thought of, huh, could I have more benefited more benefited from an FDL where they do like the tummy tuck on your upper abdomen as well? Should I have gotten a 360? I did a very basic hip to hip tummy tuck. So whatever skin was hanging is what just got cut off. I didn't do any extra lipo, no extra abdominal contour. They didn't want to do anything like that because I haven't had kids yet. And because I said, I hope to one day, they don't want any issues there. So mm. we just got rid of the skin that was hanging. And I get a lot of messages too from people saying, Hey, didn't you get a tummy tuck? Why do you look like that? Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, they messed up on your boobs. Uh, your tummy tuck, like you still have loose skin. I thought you had a tummy tuck. Ooh. And it's like, I did. I did. Um, but you know, no plastic surgery will make you perfect. And that is, that's also what I'm trying to learn and accept. So thank you for noticing. <laughs> I mean, people, I mean, I'm sure that comes with, I mean, boy, that comes with this huge following, you know, some people are jealous or critical. I mean, some trolls, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I cannot imagine. And I I know it's easy to be like, oh, don't take it personally. But you go down that dark rabbit hole. I'm sure that that's really tough. Oh, yeah. Yes. Totally. And, you know, even uh, outside of social media, what gets really hard with uh, starting your weight loss journey, what I've experienced is just how different like your social circle and your relationships start to look like just just to give you like a brief kind of rundown. I was dating a guy before my surgery and we had we had been together for probably about a year 
And then we, he was with me for my whole like first year post-op. And then we ended things around like 2019. So yeah, we were together for probably about a year and a half, but I can't tell you how many people would, cause he was overweight. He was around, he was probably also about 300 pounds, but he was really tall and like he wore it better cause he was just like a big guy. But I can't tell you how many people in the very like probably like first three, four months when I would start to see the change on my body as I'd be making my little Transformation Tuesday posts. Of course, I'd have amazing comments like, wow, you're looking incredible. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to start my journey. Oh, like this is so inspiring to see. But then I would get comments. Yeah. So how's your how's your boyfriend doing? You're going to leave him. You're going to get too pretty for him. Oh yeah. Mm. Wait until you just, you start getting way too full of yourself and you're going to, you're going to think you're way too good and pretty for him. You're going to be too too skinny for him, for a big guy like him, and you're just going to leave him. And I hated the assumptions that people would place on me like that just because I was, I mean, like, I'm the same person. Like, I just look thinner. Like, I don't know. People always told me like, oh, you were really pretty for a big girl. But they'd say like, now that you're skinny and pretty, oh, you're going to be such a bee. You're going to just be so full of yourself, so cocky and conceited, so snooty. And I was that, I can't even tell you how frustrating that would that would get me because if there's one thing about me, it's none of those. I'm not a stuck no. up snooty person no. at all. I'm not, I'm better than you at all. Like I am, I was, I truly believe that everyone, that there's no such thing as strangers, only friends I haven't made yet. If it were up to me, I would be friends, like besties with every single person I chat with online. And I can't believe like how people will just kind of paint that as your story and then be like, oh yeah. And you're going to leave the dude you're with even today. Even today, I got a comment from someone. Yeah, I bet this girl left her husband and kids. Okay, I've never even been married. I don't have any kids, but that's <laughs> oh like God. the type what of assumption. Random thing to say. Yes, no, that's exhausting. I, I, it happens all the time. It's exhausting, and I just hate that people see, you know, a girl who had a little bit of a glow up, and they just want to put this personality on you. When it's like, uh, no, let me tell you this right now. My personality isn't going anywhere. I am the same, like goofy, quirky. I'm like a dad, okay? Like I speak fluent in puns. I, I just, I'm a weirdo. You're like I a could, dad. I couldn't even like talk that about you. Yeah, right. She's like, I'm not a yeah. mom, but I am a dad. I'm a father. No. Yeah. Um, well, but it's, yeah, it's just like crazy. I hate the assumptions that people want to put on you, and I feel like that's like the one thing that I, I could show people. Like, look, it's nothing. Nothing's changed. Just my size. Like, I want to show people that, like it's the same girl just in a, in a, in a brand new body, basically, you know, and I hate that part of it. I hate the assumptions that come along with it. That that usually comes on social media, but yeah, you know, well, it's interesting too, because like, obviously like, again, they suck, but it's probably the same people that if you hadn't had surgery, you hadn't done plastic surgery, you hadn't gone through this whole journey would probably be bashing you for being like, well, she's overweight and she's no good for him and he should leave her or whatever. Like, it's the totally. same person. It's the same person. And it's all about their insecurity and they're just projecting yes. onto you because they're insecure about some part of their life oh, and like no doubt it, they're mostly probably or they're jealous, jealous. or whatever but yeah it's it, I, in my mind like the first thing i'm going it's like oh they would 100 percent also be bashing you if you hadn't had this glow up and again yeah. like you said you're the same person nothing has changed about you uh, you know your 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 psych and your your i don't know your little geppetto your little, <laughs> not Geppetto, who's a little cricket in your head. Like, it's Jiminy all the cricket. same. Jiminy Cricket. Like, it's all the same. But 
your body changed. I know. Yeah. That's true. Do you ever get exhausted by it all? Do you ever want to be like, all right, I need a break from this limelight. I mean, I've been doing this now. I'm post-op six years. I've shared the ups, the downs. I have to deal with the haters. Yes, there's a lot of great things, but that's also lots of messages from lots of patients wanting to give their advice or their thoughts or ask that you their questions. I mean, do you just want to be like, I just want to lay down a little bit. Like you just seem so always on in an amazingly admirable way. Oh, you are so sweet. And I totally wish that I could tell you that I'm completely untouchable and nothing affects me. No words from any keyboard warriors could get me, but sometimes they do. And actually in 2020, I'd say like the second half of 2020 to like the first half of 2021, I kind of had like a good year, like kind of almost not as active on Instagram. And people did start kind of noticing like, hey, what happened? Are you like just not doing this full time anymore? Like what happened? And I think at that point, I kind of did let a lot of like the negativity that came with social media affect me, which was really new for me. Because if there's anything I can do is get over any hardships in life, like whether it's like emotional or like actual, just like you know, life happens, like situations, deaths in the families, car accidents, like I could get through things, right? Like I've been through a whole lot, but there are, there was just like this one point in time, like where it kind of seemed like a lot of the negativity was just like more getting more and more. And I, I didn't really know how to deal with it. I can't even really tell you what I did to deal with it besides kind of take a step back and do a little bit less because it got to the point where And this is so stupid. It's so stupid. But they would say things like, I hate how when she talks, her lips are pursed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not even doing anything with my lips. Or it'd be Mm. like, I hate how much makeup she's wearing. And it would literally be on a comment where all I'm wearing is eyelashes and maybe eyebrows on. And it's just like, oh my gosh, if you want to see full glam, I could show you full glam. And like that type of stuff just gets me so exhausted. And I hate when people would like project that kind of stuff on me where they'd say like, oh, you have gastric bypass and then you had your tummy tuck and boobs. Like all of this is just so vain. Like you're so vain. Mm. And it so frustrating to hear that because none of those choices were made out of like vanity for me wanting to be oh yeah I just want to look like a Barbie doll I want to look hot like that's never been a thing I don't know why people try to paint that picture I don't I'd really it's beyond me I got gastric bypass to have a happy healthy and normal life not to look like anyone not to feel like anyone else and then I got my plastics to simply be able to see the hard work that I've put in. I wanted to see the progress and the loose skin was just in the way. So, and I had an awesome opportunity to work with a surgeon who was like right next to my school in Beverly Hills. And like, I feel like if anyone had been given that opportunity, especially as a college student working as a barista, you would have also taken that opportunity. It has nothing to do with vanity and, and also just like, dealing with all the comments about like my looks and like literally when it comes to things that you can't help, I can, I can try to cut back on how many times I say the word like, okay, I can work on that. (laughs) I can't help how big my eyes are or how, how annoying the tone of my voice is. I'm sorry. I can't help that. And sometimes like I, I have grown a lot in like not taking their words like you know, I take it, I take it. And then it's kind of like in one ear and out the other, because then I start to think about it. I'm like, okay, this person who wants to say this, they don't even, they probably don't even wear makeup and they don't know anything about it. And so the fact that they're saying that this like almost natural look is terrible, like, okay, whatever. I can't even take that comment to heart. The people who 
look at my page and what I do on Instagram, they see a blue check mark and they automatically think, oh, she's a celebrity. She must be rich. Look at everything she's doing, mommy and daddy's money. Okay. Well, this is also someone who doesn't know that I came from a single mom raising six kids, then grandchildren, then foster kids. No dad present in my life. He commu- he committed suicide when I was 17 due to his drug addiction. Mm. We also were all split up into foster cares at different points, Once mm. then brought back together to my mom once she got her life clean and sober. So I have to really remind myself of my own life and journey to not let people's comments who know nothing about me get to me. And, you know, even last week, this was literally just last week i got probably in one day i had this video go viral and uh it was one of my surgery videos i had eyelash extensions if you're familiar with eyelash extensions they stay on your eyes for like four to six weeks they do not come off i can't tell you how many people commented and sent me messages and would talk about me in the comments like as if i didn't see them about i can't believe they would let her wear lashes oh who gets ready for lashes yeah if i was going to surgery i would not be concerned with lashes and it's like okay i also didn't apply these for surgery like they're literally i woke (laughs) up they were just on yeah so and you know what I did? I ripped every single one of them off. I ripped uh. them off. Eyelash extensions. I even have a picture and a video of all of them on the fur rug because I was so tired of every comment. I'm sitting here right now with no lashes on, but guess what? I have an appointment tonight to get Good. new ones. You better get those <laughs> yeah. things applied. Yes. Oh my gosh. Show them off to everybody. I know. Goodness. Well, yeah, let's I love lashes. <laughs> so do I. I think you're stunning. I've I had the opportunity to meet you in person um, when you came to Orlando and I was like, wow, you're so pretty. And I just keep doing oh you. Gosh. You know exactly what you're doing with all of that. Now, you were talking about your recent surgery, and I did want to go there and hear um, exactly what happened. Why did you need to have another surgery? Why so many years later? What what was that all about? Oh, yeah. So I... We didn't know that I was having complications with my gastric bypass for a while. So I had my gastric bypass in December of 2017. It was on the 29th, right before New Year's. And then probably around four or five months post-op, I did kind of start to feel some upper abdominal pain. And it would go from my stomach into my back. Like it would just be this like excruciating pain that would like travel from stomach to back. And my surgeon was pretty convinced that it was my gallbladder. And we ended up removing my gallbladder about a year and four months post-op. And then that pain still was presenting. So Mm -hmm. I was like really concerned. We pretty much removed my gallbladder for no reason. But I mean, I guess I heard that a lot of people get theirs removed with gastric bypass and weight loss surgeries sometimes at the same time. So I wasn't like, you know, too concerned, but I was... I was pretty worried that this pain was still happening. Like we obviously had a bigger issue on hand. So I kept on kind of going through the year, just kind of playing the manage the pain game. The things that would help the most were obviously like a set of metaphine, but I get really weird about taking medicine, medicine. Like I, I really try not to like pills kind of freak me out. So I would always like have like ginger tea, ginger ale, like anything with ginger always helped almost instantly. Um, I did a lot of Tums. Like, I hate how many Tums I was popping. I did like the Costco bulk ones <laughs> and it would help like momentarily yeah. enough for me to get through my ultrasound test or something. But I would literally be like in the middle of test taking in like a proctored exam. And then like my teacher would see me kind of like 
gasping and clutching my stomach like down near my desk because I would have to be kind of curled to make it feel even a little bit okay. Mm. And then I would just get like released from all my testing because I couldn't even sit there for like longer than 30 minute periods. And I would kind of like throw up these like white acid bubbles. Like it was the weirdest thing. Mm. So nothing was really helping. I was just kind of managing the pain game. And then during the year of 2020, the next year, I was on competition prep for my first ever bodybuilding show. Ah, yes. And it takes a lot of work to do a competition prep. You have to like really be on it. Like you, you have all you have in your mind is I'm stepping on stage in three months, oh, yeah. two months, it's three like a weeks. It's a full-time so, job yeah. from what I've seen. Yes. Oh, it's a full-time job. And I tell everyone that like, don't do it until you are ready to commit 110% because it also takes time to track every single bite you're eating. Uh, it does take time. Yeah. So during that entire competition prep, I was experiencing like my pain and it wasn't it, like, I was just kind of like getting to the point where, okay, how long are we going to just keep popping the, the Tums, you know, like, let's actually figure this out. So my surgeon had done a gastroendoscopy uh, with me. So we like did the camera down the throat to take images. But after that gastroendoscopy, the office had called me and the only thing they told me was that I was going to be given a new prescription called omeprazole. And I had never taken that before. I had actually never even heard of it. But now I know that this is a very common over-the-counter a pill that a lot of people take for acid production. So that was what they gave me. And I was taking that for like a good year. And then December of 2022 or 2021. So just a little over a year ago, I had been taking the Meprazole for about like almost a year. And then I was just in excruciating pain in December of 2021. And I was in the ER three times in the matter of like a week, week and a half. And whenever I go to the ERs, uh, you know, the doctors there, they see that I'm a weight loss surgery patient. And because they're also working at CMH, the hospital that I'm at, they, everyone there knows Dr. Billy, who's my weight loss surgeon. And they're like, I don't know, they talk about him like he has this wrath. Like they they can't touch me unless they have like permission from him. Huh. So they would tell me things like, oh, like we can't do this test on you because we need to run it by Dr. Billy. And then they would call Dr. Billy and he'd say, no, just have her, uh, have her call me and we're going to have her be seen in my office. So I go to my surgeon's office and he pulls up my like records and everything. And he's like, okay, so you're taking the Imeprazole. I'm like, yeah, every day. And then he's like, oh, you know what? I'm seeing that that gastroendoscopy, that endoscope we did on you, you had an ulcer with cratered and flappy material that was clearly never going to be resolved through medication. And we needed to schedule a surgery. We just never notified you. So that was why the complications went on and on. I went about a year, maybe close to a year and a half without being told of the results of the procedure that we had done. So if I had been, if, if we had actually known about those results, we could have gotten this complication sorted out a lot sooner, but Oh man, like it was getting worse and worse. Uh, this last year up until my surgery, I have spent almost a year like where this complication has gotten in the way of a lot of my day to day activities, especially with what I'm doing online. I can't really talk like when I'm in my pain, it's like really low and I'm like in a lot of pain. Like you can't really hop on Instagram talking like this. So 
I, it would kind of stop me from doing any sort of work. Uh, and I couldn't really be in conversations. I would be like in bed, literally curled up. Like I, I need my knees up to my chest. Uh, I got very used to sleeping in like a reclined position. I always have like three to four pillows behind me. And then I have a big one under my legs because it just helps bring my knees close to my chest. It's like the most, it's like the best thing I could do. I'll just stay on top of the pain or else. I wake up every three to four hours from the pain and then I got to pop my omeprazole and sucrophate. So it has been wow. really hard dealing with those complications. And all I got to say is I'm so thankful that I finally got my surgery to fix it, which was just this January 17th. So wow. I'm about five weeks post-op, five, wow. six weeks post-op. And you're feeling better? Oh my gosh, I'm feeling so much better. We did have quite a bit of uh, hiccups during the recovery. I dealt with all kinds of complications that I never dealt with. I'm talking like they put me on an oxygen tank. I had a uh, low uh, heart rate. What else? They were talking about doing a blood infusion. My hemoglobin was really low. And um, they said something about like my iron, like the lowest it should be, should be 40, but I was like reading at 14. So there was just a whole lot. Hmm. And uh, yeah, now I'm, I've been given like some vitamin vitamin C, was it vitamin D, vitamin D and some iron supplements. So we, we are on the mend and I'm feeling a Good. lot better. And I actually just saw my surgeon on Friday and uh, I've been cleared to work out. So starting tomorrow, I'm going to get my butt back in the gym. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I will I'm take sure, it easy. I'm, I'm, gonna say, take I'm it sure easy. you're so excited for that because I know you are like a gym rat. <laughs> in, in, a the nicest yes. Way. Yes. in the nicest way possible. The hottest one ever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I take it as a compliment to call okay. me a gym rat. Okay. Yes. That's all I, ever I meant to this one. I know. Well, I, I just want to um, put out there some things, some tips that people are listening and thinking, you know, oh my gosh, I'm horrified. I have the gastric bypass or I'm considering the gastric bypass. And will this happen to me at some point? Um, and so I just want to talk a little bit about um, ulcers and, and, and how they happen. So yes, after a gastric bypass, what is happening is your stomach goes from the size of a football down to the size of a thumb, and it is connected directly to a piece of small intestine. So that connection is called a gastrojejunostomy or a GJ, anastomosis for short. And what the pathophysiology of why you get something called a marginal ulceration is because the stomach, albeit much, much smaller at 5%, is now directly up against, and that's that's a very acidic place. The stomach makes the acid, as you're saying. And the acid now is directly up against the small intestine. And that, and that area is more basic. And so sometimes it can cause you to have a little ulcer and just because of the acid. And the ulcer would present on the small intestine side of that connection between the stomach pouch and the small intestine. And so things that can make it happen um, sometimes is just because of the nature of how it was originally created. And it sounds like that probably was the case for you. You can have some ischemia or low blood flow to that area. And and then that can cause some, like you said, a cratered ulcer. And it's almost like the equivalent if you bite the inside of your mouth, that pain in your mouth every time uh -huh. food or something goes past it. Oh, that hurts so bad. Well, that's what's happening on your skin. And it's not like when you eat, you can just push the food to the other side of the mouth and try to, you know, consciously avoid that. Well, with this, it's just constant. Like you were saying, you were doubled up and it was just so exquisitely painful. Other risk factors, things that can cause vasoconstriction or narrow the blood vessels are if you have 
smoked after surgery. Um, and I'm not saying you have, but these are just some things for the general public out there. There's smoking. If you do excessive amounts of by mouth steroids or excessive daily, multiple times a day use of anti-inflammatory meds, that can cause you to have an ulcer. Um, excessive, and I'm not talking like a cup here or, or a pill there of caffeine. So there's certain things that can just really just irritate that lining of the stomach, increase your acid production, get it to kind of um, camp out on the other area, and it just kind of wears down that lining. In extreme cases, the reason why a lot of times we they're little ulcers and they can be just fixed by avoiding whatever it is that caused it, and then also doing things like you said, your caraphate, which is um, your sucralfate is another name for it, omeprazole, another name for that is Prilosec. Um, there's also other proton pump inhibitors like protonics, pantoprazole, Nexium. Um, you can also do um, Pepsid, which is an, uh, a histamine blocker. So there's a lot of different things uh, medication-wise, but sometimes if it's because of a low blood flow state, unfortunately, like in your case, they have to cut above it on the stomach pouch, cut below it on the small intestine, remove that area with the ulcer, and then just reconnect the stomach pouch to the small intestine. So now your stomach's even tinier. I wonder how big it is now, Des. It's probably pretty darn tiny. I know. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, my surgeon did kind of warn me, you know, after this surgery, you may lose weight. Uh, you may. I was really curious about that. And I'm down, I did lose about like, nine pounds. I don't think yeah. I got to 10, but I did lose nine pounds, especially because I had to uh, follow up with my surgery with liquids, semi-liquids. And yes, I'm just now starting to kind of incorporate things like ground turkey. So I've been on like a lot of soups and just being like on my liquids and like semi-soft foods, like cottage cheese, yogurts, protein shakes, protein ice cream, all that good stuff. Uh, I did lose about nine pounds, but for me, I don't really notice like too much of a difference. I'm just losing a lot of muscle, but I know I'll get that back. And as far as uh, what you said about, you know, the uh, where the ulcers, I just wanted to say that's very interesting that you say that because my surgeon also said that mine was at the anosomosis site and that that's really commonplace. Yep. So exactly yep. where mine was too. Yeah, it's called a marginal ulceration. So if you're looking it up, it, it can happen. And um, again, it's a good thing you got treatment if it's causing you significant issues. And unfortunately, with maximal medical therapy, it's just not healing. Well, then you go through another surgery and, um, and that's what you're doing. And it's great to hear that you're feeling tremendously better. It was a success. That's a challenging surgery, um, technically speaking, for your surgeon to perform because there is, you know, there's some scar tissue up there. So to, to take it out, sometimes that chronic inflammatory state of the ulceration can cause some issues. So, well, it is great to hear that you're on the mend from that and that overall you just, you roll with the punches, you live life to the fullest, you are, um, and you're showcasing it all for the world yes, to see. We love watching. It. Yes, we do. Oh. So, hey, someone's got to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we're your number one fans. That's why we wanted to have you on here for all the people who we, um, you know, who are just thinking about weight loss surgery. We wanted to have this educational podcast, Dr. X Dietitian, to be able to uh, teach you everything from that little, you know, sound bite there I gave you on um, why ulcers happen, the marginal ulceration after gastric bypass on the jejunal side, and just to share your your triumphant journey and, and the maintenance. I think that, to, just to close out here, I do think that that's um, something that, you know, is one of the most common myths, um, and we really are all here to normalize normalize and popularize these surgeries, which again, there's nobody better than you out there on that, that everybody just gains their weight back. Why would you do that? Well, here you are six plus years after <laughs> surgery mm -hmm. showing um, that 
there ain't no end in sight for you and your success with this surgery. So congrats again, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. She's so sweet. Yes. So just a shout out to where they can find you. I'm sure people are already following you, but it's at woke up like Des on Instagram. Did I get that right? Yep. All right. Yeah. Woke Des up like Des Z. on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. It's all the same. Woke up like Des with a Z. Perfect. Anything else you want to share with us today? Any other projects no. you're working on? Anything fun? Well, not to, you know, steal any light on this podcast, but I did tell Dr. Dovic last week that I am really trying to launch my podcast. I've been trying to launch it for literally probably over two years since I was on my competition prep living in Nebraska. I've been trying to launch this and I've allowed so many things to get in the way, but... I will be starting my very own podcast soon. And you guys both have to be guests on it. Absolutely. And yes. I always post on Transformation Tuesday. That's kind of what that my podcast idea is kind of stemming from. It's going to be called Tuesday Club. And it's just kind of going to be highlighting a lot of stories that we hear from hashtag Transformation Tuesday. And I'm really, really excited about it. And I feel like it's just going to give me so much purpose. And it's going to be a really perfect way to connect with so many people. Like that's where my heart's at. I want to connect and grow with so many people. So I'm really excited to start that. Well, we cannot wait yes. to hear that. That sounds incredible. We would love to to be on that and collaborate with you. So yes. um, we'll keep our eyes out and let, be sure to let our listeners know as soon as your podcast yeah, is out. Yeah, we're going to hold you to it. You yeah, have a lot of good stuff to share. I'm like, just, man. Just have Dr. Dovek as your partner because then you'll just have a podcast. That's just how it works. Well, you guys our- are... That's how you guys I worked for us. cheer squad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Hannah's like, well, we should do a podcast. Next thing you know, I'm like, okay, I went on GoDaddy. I made a website. We have wow. um, URLs on everything. Here we go. And then yeah, you just start it. doing it. And then, so, I yeah. mean, there's some work. But, man, you you have the content. You have the story. And you have the personality to get it out there. And um, the world wants more of you. So yes. don't ignore everyone and just keep pushing forward. And we will be your biggest fans and continue to do so. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love you guys so much. Thank you so, so much. Yes, I miss we love you, you both. too. Thank you so much for joining us today. As always, you can find us on Instagram at drxdietitian or at drxdietitian.com. And we look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye, guys. Thanks, Des. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye.